An enchanted world. The Tsar of Imperial Russia. A sorcerer's curse. I will not rest until I see the end of the Romanov line forever! A young princess. Anastasia! Grandma! Who vanished without a trace. The Tsar did not survive. One daughter may be still alive. The Princess Anastasia! Anastasia, alive? Ain't that the kick in the head? I guess a curse just ain't what it used to be, huh, sir? It's the story of an orphan named Anya. You want to find your family, huh? And a dreamer named Dimitri. Do you see what I see? Yes! You think that I am Anastasia? That's why I'm stuck here in limbo. Oh, don't get so grabby. They're teaming up to find a clue to her past before the evil Rasputin destroys their future. I want to look my best. Whoa, that fell right out. The last of the Romanovs will die! From the streets of Russia Anya! to the lights of Paris. I will see no more girls claiming to be Anastasia. You have to talk to her. Finding the truth. You really are Anastasia. Will be their greatest challenge. You will address the princess as your highness. And following her heart. We've been through a lot together. Princesses don't marry kitchen boys. Will be her toughest choice. What goes around comes around. I'm not afraid of you. <laughs> Dimitri! Hold on! This can only end in tears. And bring me home Anastasia. I'd give her a ha, then a hi-ya, and I'd kick her, sir. Who could have ever imagined that what is arguably the best made Don Bluth movie ever made is about Anastasia and goddamn Rasputin? It's true. This is the story of Anastasia. This is Toys R Us. Uh, what's your name, little buddy? Banjo. Ooh, a sparkly. Dragon's Lair. The fantasy adventure where you become a valiant knight on a quest to rescue the fair princess from the clutches of an evil dragon. Judgment. Judgment? Oh, not to worry, Charlie. You'll go to heaven. All dogs go to heaven because unlike people, dogs are naturally good and loyal and kind. Huh. Yeah, that's true. Cock-a-doo, what a day. The sun is shining brightly. Cock-a-doo, sunny day. Down here on the farm. Tumbleina. She's a funny little squirt. Tumbleina. Tiny angel in a skirt. Tumbleina. She's bending, then baking, pretending she's making things hum. A troll in Central Park. The Pebble and the Penguin. Dance. 
Dancing bears, painted wings, things I almost remember, and a song someone sings once upon a December. Titan AE, get ready for the human race. Hello. Hi. Hello there. Hello. Welcome back to the Toys R Us podcast. You dive into the history of a piece of your childhood that made you, you. My name is Richard Hunt, and with me, as always, is my cousin and co-host, Brian Muth. Hey, everybody. Brian. Yes, sir. Today, on the 11th day of Don Bluth, my true love gave to me a movie about smashing the patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That or, being uh, said, accurate. are you ready to dive in? You bet. All right. Y'all, shut the We start our story in the mid-90s. It's a good place to be. It is. really is. I miss the mid-90s. You gotta fucking hit your girl back up on your pager, go find a payphone. Yep. Put the fucking 50 cents in. Yep. You're writing a movie from Blockbuster tonight, and that's what she's paging you. Yep. Gotta get Twister on the VHS. Yeah? Twister on the VHS... Twisted Metal on the PlayStation 1. Bingo. Right? It's a Twisted Friday night. And listening to Twisted Sister. Boom! Oh, you give her titty twisters. Huh? <laughs> I like it. In May 1994, the Los Angeles Times reported that Don Bluth and Gary Goldman had signed a long-term deal to produce animated features with 20th Century Fox, with the studio channeling more than $100 million in construction the anim- constructing the animation studio. That's a lot of cake. That's a fuckload of money, but... Kind of like with DreamWorks, you gotta go balls to the wall. Yeah, you gotta go all out. Because you gotta be respected, and if people see that you dropped $100 million, like, especially in the 90s. Yeah. For an animation studio. Yeah. Because, like... Like, $100 million, that was that was huge back then. I yeah. mean, it's yeah. like Titanic money. Yeah. They selected Phoenix, Arizona for the location of the new animation studio because the state offered the company about $1 million in job training funds Dude. and low-interest loans for the state-of-the-art digital animation equipment. So, you know. That Arizona's sounds baller. Sweeten the fucking pot. There. Yeah, hell yeah. I mean, I guess they have to pay people to fucking be in that state. <laughs> They're like, look, dude, I know it's fucking hot as balls here. There's spiders There's as big as your hand. Yeah, this, this is basically American Australia. <laughs> Everything there wants to kill you, right? You got the sun that wants the sun is basically the sun from Super Mario, Mario Brothers. Three. You know? Yeah, <laughs> like God, damn, dude, it comes down from the sky and chases your Just ass. Angry fucking eyebrows for no goddamn reason. <laughs> it makes me wonder: did they use the same mechanics for the sun as they did for booze? I don't think so. Because he follows so. you. He like does that. follow you, but he still burns your ass. Yeah, he's like surprise, motherfucker. <laughs> gone dokes on you now dokes I think is the the most like shameful death in any type of show like that like character wise yeah he was poised to do so much more he really was this poor one out for fucking James Dokes went out for our homie A spoiler alert Dexter sh- Dexter should have ended after the John Lithgow season. That okay. should have just been the season finale. The series finale. But no, let's go ahead and drag Shut it out. Up, cunt. Somehow have a fucking 
season with Edward James Olmos and fucking Colin Hanks. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't get me wrong. I love Olmos, but... Yeah, but... No. Mm, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't. Um, so, when they went to Arizona, they started with a staff of 300 artists and technicians, a third of whom worked with Bluth and Goldman in Dublin, Ireland for Sol- Sullivan Bluth Studios. Baller. For their first project, the studio insisted they select one out of a dozen existing properties which they owned where Bluth and Goldman suggested adapting The King and I and My Fair Lady. Actually, The King and I would have probably translated really well. In a Don Bluth style? style. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Man, I'm really sad we didn't get that, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, think about it. Cast Jason Scott Lee as the King of Siam. Mm, Boom. Shit. Following several story suggestions, the idea to adapt Anastasia originated from Fox Filmed Entertainment CEO Bill Mechanic. Was it sound like such a fucking made up name? <laughs> like George Glass. Like you're just sitting in sitting in your room, you're like Bob, see a bill uh, like a bill for something and also like a business card for a mechanic. I'm a Bill Mechanic. mechanic. Like, okay. I'm sure he's a pretty cool dude, but still it's a fun name. Bill Mechanic. Bill Mechanic. William Mechanic. Kinda of a badass name a little bit. Honestly. Yeah, a little bit. I am William, William Mechanic. William Mechanic. Oh, fuck. You, you fixed my car? Sound, William Mechanic sounds like he'd be like the villain in like a Sony training video. Yeah. <laughs> Watch out, it's William Mechanic. No. <laughs> no. They Don't. would, they would, oh, I'm a virgin. <laughs> they would later adapt story elements, elements, story elements from Pygmalion with the peasant Anya being molded into a regal woman. Early into production, Bluth and Goldman began researching the actual events the, uh, through enlisting former CIA agents stationed in Moscow and St. Petersburg. That's, that's what you got to give Don Bluth props for. He, he's like, I'm going to reach out to whoever, wherever, if it's going to make my shit better. And I'm going to get that accuracy. Yep. Around this time, screenwriter Eric Tuckman had written a script that co-screenwriter Bruce Graham described as being very adult, very based in reality, all about politics, and without any magic or comedy. So the Phantom so, Menace. I was about to say Beautiful. Zing. Eventually, Bluth and Goldman decided that the history of Anastasia and the Romanoff dynasty was too dark for their film. In 95, Graham and Susan Gothier reworked Tuckman's script into the lighthearted romantic comedy. Nah. When Graham and Gothier moved on to other projects, husband and wife screenwriting team Bob Tzutker and Noni White were hired for additional rewrites. Actress Carrie Fisher oh. also made uncredited rewrites of the film, particularly the scene in which Anya leaves the orphanage for Paris. I love that people the reaction on people's faces when they find out that she was a big hollywood screen like oh a, yeah like a script doctor she did a lot hell yeah she did she was also just comedic gold she really was especially like, was so in fucking uh drop dead fred oh man which is like how do you stand up against rick mail <laughs> comedy wise yeah, right yeah yeah like, the scene where she thinks that she's beating the shit out of Drop Dead Fred because mm-hmm. he's invisible? Yeah. 
Amazing. Even her uh, her performance as a nun of all people, yes. like fucking uh, Jane Silent Bob, Harry Bush nun. Oh man, beautiful. For the villains, Bluth also did not take into consideration depicting Vladimir Lenin and the Bolsheviks, and initially toyed with the idea of a police chief with a vendetta against Anastasia. Instead, they decided to have Grigory Rasputin as the villain, with Goldman explaining it was because of all the different things they did to try to destroy Rasputin, and what a horrible man he really was. So let's make him a cartoon villain. Yeah. (laughs) That'll show him. I can't wait till we get to the part in history where Hitler's a cartoon villain. Well, I guess we kind of already got that with Jojo Rabbit. That's true. That's true. I still haven't seen that. I still got to see it. I, I, I know. I, I, I love Taika Waititi so much. We stand Taika Waititi. We do. Um, in reality, Rasputin was already dead when the Romanovs were assassinated. He gone. In addition to this, Bluth created the idea for Bartok, the albino bat, as a sidekick for Rasputin. I just thought that the villain had to have a comedic sidekick. Just to let everyone know that it was all right to laugh. Well, it worked for Jafar. Uh-huh. Totally. Yeah. A bat seemed a natural friend for Rasputin. Making him a white bat came later, just to make him different. Composers Stephen Flaherty and Lynn Ahrens recalled being at the Aubon Payne in New York City, where Rasputin and Bartok were pitched, and being dismayed at the decision to go down a historically inaccurate route. They made their stage musical adaption more sophisticated, more far-reaching, and more political to encompass the original version. Blue stated that Meg Ryan was his first and only choice for the title character. However, Ryan was indecisive about accepting the role due to its dark historical events. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, but at the same time, it's like... You got about five good years left in you, Meg Ryan. Yeah! <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, take them while you got them. Hollywood uh, is not casting Meg Ryan. R.I.P. Meg Ryan's career. Like, what happened? I got him out. Like, I Tom Hanks sucked all all of her career longevity. Yeah, and that's why he's still rolling. Yeah, he he injected all of her likability into himself. Mm-hmm. Not that he wasn't ever likable. Like, by all accounts, oh yeah, Tom Hanks is a fucking darling. Yeah. But he needed a limited power. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. You die. <laughs> okay. It's like, wow, okay. Take it easy, bud. Get it, McDermott. To persuade her, the animation team took a clip from Annie uh took, took an audio clip of Annie Reed from Sleepless in Seattle and created an animation reel based on it. Oh, that's which was awesome. screened for her the following invitation to the studio. Which is like that's how you fucking get it. that's how they got Tom yeah. Hanks for uh Toy Story. Which Circling back, Mm -hmm. when Harry met Sally, Carrie Fisher. Yep. Boom. It's uh, poetry. (laughs) (laughs) I pulled the strings the whole time. It was me. He is Palpatine. That's funny. Mm. Um, I was blown away that they did that, Ryan later confessed and accepted the role. Before she was cast, Broadway singer and actress Liz Calloway was brought in to record several demos of the songs, hoping to land a job in background vocals, but was liked well enough by the songwriters that they ultimately used her in the final film. Boom. John Cusack openly admitted after being cast that he could not sing, in which which his singing duties were performed by Jonathan Dukowitz. Goldman had commented that originally, as with the rest of the cast, they were going to have Ryan record her lines separately from the others, with Bluth reading the lines of the other characters to her. However, after Ryan and the directors were finding this method to be too challenging, 
When her character was paired with Dimitri, she and Cusack recorded the dialogue of their characters together, with Goldman noting it made a huge difference. That's awesome. It all it usually does, yeah. right? Like especially like now with all the Toy Stories, mm-hmm. they've just kept that everybody's in the yeah. same room, you know? Like I think it makes for better performances. Yeah, because you can bounce like the energy off. Yeah. Right? I mean I think they do that for Venture Brothers. I mean Yeah. If you think about it, I mean, it's it's mostly like four or five people at most. I mean, they did right. Clone Wars, too. Yeah. And I think that's what helped Clone Wars. Um, Peter O'Toole was considered for the role of Rasputin, but Christopher Lloyd was hired because of his popularity from the Back to the Future trilogy. Perfect. Bartok was originally wo- <laughs> written for Woody Allen. Oh, good God. Yeah, but the studio was reluctant to hire him following revelations of his relationship with his ex-partner, Mia Farrow's adoptive daughter, Soon Yi. <sighs> yeah. Woody Allen fucks. Unfortunately. 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 Um, Martin Short was also considered, but Hank Azaria won the role ten minutes into his audition. <laughs> oh, man, Martin Short would have been awesome he, for that. He really would have. Not not a knock on Hank Azaria. No, I mean, no. That's a man of a thousand voices, but I love Martin Short. There's just something about him. Martin Short. So how how Tom Hanks sucked out Meg Ryan's energy. Yeah. Steve Martin sucked out yeah. Martin Short's. Yeah. Um, the film score was composed, co-orchestrated, and conducted by David Newman, whose father, Alfred Newman, composed the score of the 1956 film of the same name. Oh, Oh, poetry. Poetry. Uh, yeah, I told you. The songs, of which Journey to the Past was nominated for the Academy Award for Best Original Song, were l- written by Lynn Ahrens and Stephen Flaherty. The first song they wrote for the project was Once Upon a December, which fucking slaps. It does. Dancing bears, painted wings, things I almost remember, and a song someone sings once upon a December. Someone holds me safe and warm, horses prance through a silver.
It was written during a heat wave, so they were sweating and writing winter imagery. <laughs> which, I must imagine that would be difficult. But which they speaks to how it. good of a writer you can be. Yeah. Uh, the film's soundtrack was released in CD and audio cassette format on October 28th, 1997. Mmm, cassettes. Cassettes. I have a Britney Spears, Oops, I Did It Again, pink cassette. Do you? Is it the, the single version? No, it's the whole album. I bought it from Target last year. <laughs> nice. I'm like, that's oh, kind of yeah, cool. when they had all that retro stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that was oh, cool. That's fucking awesome. Uh, several critics have drawn positive comparisons between Anastasia and the Disney films released during the Disney Renaissance, noting similarities in the story and animation styles. Marjorie Bumgarten of the Austin Chronicle awarded the film three out of five stars, liking its quality to that of a Disney animated film. Solid. She wrote that Anastasia may not beat Disney at its own game, but it sure won't be for lack of trying. This sumptuous-looking film clearly spared no no expense in its visual rendering. Its optical flourishes and attention to detail aim for the Disney gold standard, and for the most part, come pretty damn close. Which is, hey. Oh, yeah. The Phoenix's Jeffrey Gantz jokingly stated, If imitation is indeed the sincerest form of flattery, then the folks at Disney should feel royally complimented, complimented by 20th Century Fox's newest animated feature about uh, Tsar Nicholas II's youngest daughter. Boom. Some Russian Orthodox Christians, on the other hand, found Anastasia to be, Anastasia to be an offensive depiction of the Grand Duchess who was canonized as the new martyr in 1981 by the Russian Orthodox Church outside of Russia. Oh, damn. Didn't know that. Neither did I. Many historians echoed their sentiments, criticizing, criticizing the film as a sanitized, sugar-coated reworking of the story of the Tsar's youngest daughter. You know, they're not wrong. They're not, but it's like, what are you going to do? I know. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um... While the filmmakers acknowledge the fact that Anastasia uses history only as a starting point, others complained that the film would provide its audience with misleading facts about Russian history, which, according to the author and historian Suzanne Maisie, has been falsified for so many years. Similarly, the uh, amateur historian Bob Atchison said that Anastasia was akin to someone making a film in which Anne Frank moves to Orlando and opens a crocodile farm with a guy named Mort. <laughs> Oh, God. They're like, okay, buddy. <laughs> let's uh, tone it back down yeah, there a little bit, yeah. okay? It did well in the box office with a $50 million budget going on to gross them $140 million. Nice. It, it did the best financially out of all of Don Blue's movies. Which I think speaks to the fact that it is so close to like a Disney Renaissance film. It really film is. That people often mistake it. Oh, yeah. They totally do. Um... In 1999, a direct-to-video spin-off and prequel called Bartok the Magnificent was released, which focused on the character of Bartok. Do you know who else is magnificent? I do. It's Fatty. It is Fatty. There was a huge marketing campaign in preparation for the release of the movie. Some of the promotional sponsors included Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, the 1997 U.S. Figure Skating Championships, oh, damn. Burger King, Shell Oil, Hershey, Dole Food, and Chesabra Ponds? Never heard of it. Nope. The total cost of the marketing campaign was $50 million. 
Anastasia's dog in the movie was inspired by the Romanov's real-life pet, the adorable floppy-eared spaniel that follows her, or follows after the princess is very much real. The dog was actually named Joy and was the pet of Crown Prince Alexei, Anastasia's brother. Hmm. Miraculously, Joy survived the massacre of the monarchy at the palace and lived out the rest of his life in England after being taken in by Colonel Pavel Rodzankio. Hmm. Hmm. At least the dog lived. Yeah. That's a um, bit of good news. Back to the Future is Christopher Lloyd landed the role of Rasputin. But Sir Patrick Stewart, oh. Jonathan Price, and Tim Curry were all considered. Dude, Tim Curry would have been awesome. It would have been so good. So dark. And even fun. Imagine Patrick Stewart. Dude, seriously. Patrick Stewart would have kicked it in the balls. Um, Anastasia's name holds special meaning in the film. Vlad tells Anya that the name Anastasia means she will rise again. In other translations, it also means resurrection. Oh. Yeah. This is a, this one is, I think, one of my favorite of any fact in the box. Oh. Glenn Walker Harris Jr. voiced the younger version of John Cusack's character, Dimitri, in the film. Okay. And say anything, he plays John Cusack's nephew. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Hell yeah. One idea for the soundtrack was Bartok singing Boney M's Ra Ra Rasputin, <laughs> but they couldn't get the oh, rights. Oh man, that would have been awesome. Yeah.
one is drinking, lusting, and his hunger for power became known to more and more people, the demands to do something about this outrageous man became louder and louder. Um, the film is very similar to Tangled. Both were about long-lost princesses who go on an adventure with a sly yet kind-hearted guy who they later, who they later fall, lo- fall in love with, and their sidekicks both hide their face when the female and male characters kiss. Um, the musical number, Paris Holds the Key to Your Heart, includes cameos by various historical characters from the time, including Maurice Chevalier, Sigmund Freud, Charles A. Lindbergh, Josephine Baker, Claude Monet, Isadora Duncan, August Rodin, and Gertrude Stein. Oh, damn. And finally, Anastasia is now technically a Disney princess. Ah, oh, yeah, because they bought Fox. Yep. And with that, we close the history book on another Don Bluth classic. Join us tomorrow for the final day of Don Bluth magic. Until next time, remember that there was no badder a motherfucker than Rasputin. It's true. And remember, you'll always be a Toys R Us kid.